Hey guys, welcome to the Podcast Strikes Back. My name's Connor, and you are listening to the weekly show with Ben, my good friend. Hi. I had to do lots of pointing. We don't have George here this week, so <clears throat> overcompensated on the uh, pointing. So, got a really big show today. I'm um, talking about a lot of things, including a whole bunch of trailers, including one of the flagship trailers for uh, Apple's new Apple Plus TV, um, as well as um, a couple other trailers. I didn't do as much and, research as George. And some other trailers. <laughs> and <well>. some <laughs> other trailers. <laughs> How very vague and nebulous. Mm. Um, yeah, but as always, we want to start with a little bit of what we've been watching this week. And Ben, you and me have been a bit busy. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go first with what you've watched and then we'll kind of move into what we've watched together? Absolutely. Um, I've been back on uh, on a bit of the horror stuff this week um, for something something that, that we'll talk about in a moment. Yep. Um, kind of got me back in the mood. And I'm not sure why, because I haven't really watched um, a lot of really intense horror lately. Um, and it was a, a stark reminder that they're really scary sometimes. When you get a when you get a proper horror film, not like just a tense thriller or something like that, it's a stark reminder that you're like, oh, like these are designed to purposely make you feel fear. Yeah, and it doesn't feel good. <laughs> no, it's terrifying. I, 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 last night I was sitting at home just watching a couple on the couch, uh, you know, all the lights off, mm-hmm. nobody home, and I was just sitting there like, I'm so tense right now. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, yeah. But the, the first one I watched was one called We Are Still Here um, from 2015, which was um, from from the from what how it seems quite a low-budget um you know, no name actors in it or anything. They don't feel like proper, like no offense, like everyone would performed well in the movie. But they didn't <laughs> seem like, you know, when you're watching something from a little lower down the, the, down yeah, the line, yeah. it, you can kind of tell the performances are somewhere else. Um, but yeah, really um, so effectively shot. It's basically a haunted house movie that goes in um, some unexpected directions. It's very over the top uh, directions um, that I, I certainly didn't see coming. Um, but just some really effective jump scares in there. Um, the way the movie was shot, the, the the camera work was almost a character. It was so, mm-hmm. like, it made it, you so much more on edge than if it had just been a bit more standard. Um, like, uh, there was a shot where, basically, the way the camera moved combined with the way a torchlight came into frame on the wall scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and it was just nothing scary. Um, so that was a really interesting one. Um, and then I checked out one that I've been meaning to watch for a few years um, because I wanted to feel something good about Andy Muschietti again. So I checked out his um, uh, 2013, I believe, film, Mama. Um, okay. Uh, starring uh, Jessica Chastain and yeah. uh, and uh, Nikolai Costa-Waldau. For um, some reason, I thought you had watched that. but George is always talking about it. Yeah, because um, I remember I watched that with George. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, that movie, man, Andy Muschietti, he shoots movies real good. It's yeah, he does. such a good-looking film. Um, and he's really good with characters. Yes, yeah, abs- totally. Um, I was so happy to see um, Nikolai Costa-Waldau on a movie. I love watching him and stuff. Because yeah. Jamie Lannister on Game of Thrones um, has had a lot of great stuff throughout the run of that show and some less great stuff. Um, so I'm just happy to see him pop up and other stuff. Yep. But, um, man, that movie was so creepy. It's got a real, like, low-key horror vibe to it. Like, it's very much, obviously, a, a horror film, but there's mm. just something more atmospheric about it than mm. perhaps some other 
films. Well, those kids, man. It's the, ki- the kids. Was, oh, so unsettling. And, of course, no one had actually told me that Mama is the crooked lady from It, um, chapter one. Uh, yeah. Which I was not prepared for because the crooked lady scared the crap out of me in It. Um, and now there's a whole movie about her. You know, came out before that, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I, I found that movie uh, very scary and had to, to run off to bed after I finished watching it. Um, uh, and then... We can uh, segue into the uh, the Sydney Underground Film Festival. Yeah. Because we went to that the other day, saw a couple of movies together. I watched one alone, um, which was The Lodge, um, brand new horror movie with a lot of buzz behind it. Yeah. Um, starring uh, Elvis Presley's granddaughter, which I didn't oh, realize really? until much later. Yeah. Um, this one cool. was, uh, like I was saying kind of more generally earlier, I was so, so tense watching this film. And retrospectively, I don't think it is even that scary. I think the the, the cinema atmosphere combined with what I think was a quite a good uh, sound system because it's more of a concert venue that we saw. Yeah, it in, um, was just putting me so on edge. Um, and it just, also because you're probably pretty much was it as sparsely populated as the other films that we saw at that festival? No, packed house. Oh, really? Yeah, except okay, for the wow. seat directly next to me, which I think might have been the only empty seat in the whole place. Um, which made me feel so loved. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting, sitting on an aisle. That's such a, I was a sitting blow on an to your ego. And there's an empty seat next to me. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, very cool. And one that like, I really can't say anything about because it all hinges on a lot of mysteries. It's one of those very psychological, like, is this a supernatural thing or is it not or what have you? Um, I think ultimately I recommend it. It's It's pretty grim though. Yeah. So um, if you're in a good mood, prepare to come out maybe a bad one by the time it's done. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, then we checked out a, a couple of other ones at the festival. That we saw together. Mm-hmm. Should we start on a really good note? Sure. The Art of Self-Defense. Yes. Something that we checked out. Um, what do you, I mean, both of these films are ones that I really wanted to digest. Hmm. Um, they're ones that I wanted to like um, take some time and think about. The Art of Self-Defense um, was one that... I kind of softened on a little bit. Um, I came out of it. There was obviously some level of mastery in it. I knew that. Mm. But there were some things that I wasn't quite sold on. Mm. Particularly that I felt like this was um, a metaphor that was about as subtle as a brick to the head. (laughs) Um, But... It, w- the more I thought about it, the more I thought that was kind of appropriate. And the point, yeah. Yeah, and it kind of felt like that... Um, uh, I get to use a, a phrase that I, I don't think I would have ever used otherwise um, from like year 12 English, that reductio... What is it? Reductio ad absurdum. Hmm. So taking something to like kind of comical levels yeah. um, of intensity uh, in order to kind of make a point... Um, so the more I thought about it, I thought that this film was really well executed on that. Yeah, yeah, it's essentially a satire about um, masculinity and um, yeah. elements thereof that uh, are less productive in, in yeah. society necessarily, certain ingrained things and attitudes that um, are kind of harmful for everyone. And uh, yeah, it stars Jesse Eisenberg as what a beta male would call a beta male. Um, <laughs> and he gets uh, assaulted one night and decides he needs to learn uh, karate to and become what he fears himself. Yeah, which to is become, essentially become a weapon. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, it it is really absurd. It's clearly not set in a real world. 
um, the yeah. way people act, the way people talk, the way people think, the way the world kind of works is is all very very off kilter. Um, but it's hilarious, I thought um, throughout. Yeah, it's got this like weird brand of hilarity. I was somewhat off put by it, um, and this really goes to show how an, a cinema experience can make or break. Because mm. there was, <laughs> I felt like I knew by the end of it, these three people that were, you know, standing behind me yeah. or sitting behind me, because one of them would just laugh at anything. Like there was just a point where a wiener dog showed up and he was like laughing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, come on, man. Like, yeah, there's really funny parts of this film, but not everything needs a laugh. It's yeah, fine. Like, yeah. just calm down. Um, and then there was another guy that, that any time someone said, I guess you could say anything like not PC or something that was kind of the point of the film. Mm. He would make this audible ugh <laughs> noise. And I'm like, fuck, yes, we get it. Like, mm. yeah. So every time that the, the, the movie kind of made a point, I was taken out of it by these people making these over, um, kind of overzealous reactions there to was it. The one in between them who anytime yeah. something amusing was said, he would like repeat the last half of the line or something. Yeah. <laughs> So funny. Um, um, yeah, on, on a list of the five worst cinema goers you get stuck in a room with, there would be three of them. Three of the five, yeah, seriously. Um, but ultimately, the movie itself is is really good. Jesse Eisenberg was, I think, spectacular as well as, and I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy that plays the karate instructor. Yeah, um, uh, something Navola, I think. he. So it, I was watching the whole movie. I'm like, where do I know this guy from? Yeah. And I looked him up and I saw a few things. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that could be it. Then I saw one where I'm like, no, that is it, because I watched this movie so many times growing up. Jurassic Park 3. He plays uh, Billy, I think is his name. Um, and it was so weird seeing him in, basically coming from a movie, Jurassic Park 3, which isn't very good, and nobody's particularly good in it. Seeing him in this, where I thought he was amazing. I thought he was oh. so terrific as this martial arts teacher who is just so up his own ass. It's yeah, so, yeah. It's so insane. Um, but I, I highly, highly recommend this film. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's, I mean... Yeah, I, I I recommend it as well. Good to hear. Um, the other one that we watched was Greener Grass, mm -hmm. which was the absurdist comedy starring no one that I knew. Mm. Um, we talked about this trailer a few weeks ago. Yes. Um, and I was kind of excited to check this out because I, I oh, quite like jazzed, absurdist yeah. comedy. I You know, Monty Python, which is kind of touted as one of the... Um, kind of in, in the upper echelon of absurdist comedy... Um, was a major part of my childhood. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know how you feel about this film, but do you want it, well, it to give it a shot? <laughs> it's a tough one because it's, it um, it's basically sketch comedy um, drawn out to feature length. Um, yeah. It very much in that adult swim style of like really uncomfortable, non sequitur, bizarre absurdism. Um, and I think it was alternate, alternatively very funny and pretty much an endurance test. Um, yeah, it was, I would say impeccably well made, beautifully shot, really gorgeous film, fantastic performances, but, um, sitting in an almost empty cinema with sparse reaction from anyone in there was not the most comfortable experience in the no. world, but when it was funny, it was bloody funny. Yeah. Look, this movie was really ambitious. Mm. Um, I felt, and that it, it did a lot of things right. Mm. Like some of those scenes, particularly early on, are spot on mm. for kind of that that type of comedy. 
um, the problem that I found is by the end of it, it just felt completely irrelevant. Mm. And for a movie to be that absurdist, you kind of need to stick the landing, right? Yeah. I, I actually did like where it went towards the end because it felt like it was trying to actually say something, not just be a series of interconnected sketches. I'm not sure exactly what it is yet, but um, it it went tonally into some different directions. It yeah. was a bit disturbing in parts, which I thought was really cool because there were legitimately a lot of moments where I was like, I don't even know. Like, I'm not laughing, but I don't know if I'm even meant to be. Um, oh, yeah. It, 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 it kind of goes in between a lot of tonalities of... Um, everywhere from pure comedy to almost pure horror, like it's mm. it's um, it's got a pretty decent range in that. I mean, that's what I mean. It's a very ambitious film, and it does a lot of things right. But it, for me at least, it did, definitely didn't stick uh, stick the landing, and it was at least half an hour too long. Yeah, like it just it got to a point where you you put it quite well actually, which is that it was just an endurance test mm. by the end. I think um, ultimately the, the title of the film is probably a recommendation on how to watch it. Um, and maybe that, would so. be, maybe that would be a lot better. Uh, for now, I'd just recommend um, Too Many Cooks. You know that adult yeah. film? Like 13-minute theme song, uh, Too Many Cooks? No, actually, no, sorry. If you haven't seen that, you need to check it out because it is kind of... That kind sounds of so familiar. Early. I feel like that's you, something you might that have I've, said. Yeah. Um, that's the festival. That's the festival that we watched. Also, um, not very well marketed. I felt because I only I only caught it by accident and it had some I mean Greener Grass and Art of Self Defense were two movies that we had on our radar mm. and I had no idea that they were coming up so Yeah and and The um, Lodge I was so keen for all three of those and you told me about it I had no idea this festival was even on Yeah so I mean that that's the kind of thing like you know I know it's underground mm. and maybe that was the whole point but I would have loved to have seen a little bit more attendance there I think I think that that's a really cool festival i feel like maybe it was kind of the point though because for the last session i was in the lodge which was sold out they had a big award ceremony beforehand and it seemed like everyone there knew each other like it was like they there was a, like a short film competition and everything yeah and it seemed like it was all um uni students and i, just, I was just sitting there like okay hi guys <laughs> <laughs> play the movie please yeah fair enough um so did you watch anything else this week um i did i watched two mm. um two things uh i actually went along with one of your recommendations mm. uh Probably a movie I wouldn't have chucked on otherwise. Definitely, or, or movie, ever heard of, <laughs> or ever heard of otherwise. Yeah. Um, which was the Endless, mm. which um, is is it an A twenty four? No, it's um no pretty something independent. Else. I yeah. think very low key. Benson and Moorhead. The, the That's directors, it. Yeah. Um, and I was really really impressed by this movie. Yeah. Now wh- I recommended this movie specifically more to George. Um, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm very <laughs> offended you watched it. No, just because I feel like the, like this is really his bag. It's kind of a, a sci-fi, um, Lovecraftian sort of cult story. Um, but w- w- the the caveat that I gave to him w- was this is clearly a no-budget film. Yeah. And I think you have to go in that way because... This it, was it, like clearly shot on an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but it's, it's what they do with that zero budget. I think it's yeah. really impressive. Very inventive, um, engaging all the way through. Yeah, I mean, it's... You you kind of start out with this almost morbid fascination with the relationship between these two brothers and and where they've come from and mm. um and as that part of the story begins to kind of not wear on you but like just not become as interesting they introduce all these elements that are like full on fascinating mm. and there is a um 
there's a, a not a gimmick, but a um, mechanic in this film mm. that I found really cool. Yeah, and um, I had to run out straight straight after it and read everything they you know every interview they've done. I don't I don't usually do a lot of that, but there was clearly so much of a world that they had devised here outside of just what we saw on screen. Yeah, that I I kind of needed to know more. Well, you and, told me about one of those little caveats or mm. one of those little um, kind of world building things that you wouldn't yeah, have just guessed a out. very small part of the film that uh, is endlessly fascinating yeah it's very similar to the um, I guess Timbit that you can find out about uh, Groundhog Day mm. which is that um, he's meant to have been in this for like 5,000 years or something like that mm. and that adds a level of um, depth <laughs> and horror to that film which is mm. otherwise this kind of feel good comedy mm. Um, so yeah, just that little, that little fact was kind of like, oh, that's fucking, that's so cool. Now, were you distracted at all as a Jake and Amir fan by one of Benson Moorhead, the directors and stars of the film looking exactly like Jake Hurwitz? Cause that, I could not stop focusing on that throughout the film. The, the, the leader? Uh, no, just one of the two brothers. No, we'll, we'll, I didn't. I didn't make the connection. We're gonna pull up some pictures after this. Yeah, so, that's gonna <laughs> now. Now it's gonna it's bother crazy, me. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I watched the endless. Um. Highly recommend, but with the same caveat that you made, Ben, which is that go into it fully understanding that it is a low budget film. Mm. Um. I also then chucked on. So you made another recommend last week, and I thought, well, while I'm on the the bandwagon, um, the bandwagon. That's what. That's what exactly what I said. <laughs> Thank goodness we don't have a recording of me saying it any other way. Um, I wanted to watch the Nightingale, but I realized that I've never actually seen the Babadook, mm. um, which is that director's previous work, and I wanted to be able to watch the Babadook before I watched Nightingale. So I chucked on the Babadook. Mm. Um, I did this in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, sorry, not in the middle of the day. Towards the end of the day. So I had about an hour of light left, I think. Okay. And I made a mistake. <laughs> um, I had to pause this movie like four or five times because I was watching it alone in my living room. Like, it's just, it's not not how I should be watching horror films. Mm. Um, but this was an awesome film. So, just, so, so good. And it is surprisingly deserving of the hype that it's been given. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, I just I was I was really impressed by that film and just the the creepiness of the the character that or the Babadook character is just yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, I was saying to you the other night that just the the title of the film evokes the name of that character, which yeah. immediately brings to mind the the repeating motif of it saying its own name. Oh, the yeah. The sound yeah. design in that film, like I get chills every single time I hear the word Babadook because I yeah. hear Babadook. <laughs> um, um, yeah, that movie's brilliant. And uh, also a really good, um, just a, a well-integrated kind of uh, subtext to it, which is not, it's not subtle, but uh, so many horror movies fall into really weird territory whereby they'll have a really thinly veiled metaphor as part of the um the story there's a famous quote a monster is never just a monster yeah they always represent something um and a lot of movies take that in bad um bad directions i feel clumsy unintended maybe but um i feel a lot of horror movies just have bad messages um okay and and this is one that i feel really sticks to landing 
um, all throughout, uh, just kind of nails it. Um, yeah, it's well, I mean, it's for what I got out of it, it was quite clearly about mental health. Mm. Um, and the ending was really, I think, appropriate for that. Mm. Um, also, one of the best depictions of insomnia and potential psychosis that I've ever seen. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've ever, um, I don't know if you've ever done the experiment where um, you can have a bunch of like four people or, you know, 10 people stand around you and they've all got cue cards where they start shouting things at you and you're meant to try and listen to someone um, uh, read something nice in front of you. Exactly and it gives you the course. idea of what um, psychosis might feel or in that particular instance, like schizophrenia. Mm. Um and kind of like the internet <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's it's like kind of one of those rare moments of kind of seeing or under getting a very slight glimpse of what mental illness might be like mm. and it's terrifying and i found like this movie did a really good job of kind of conveying um a, a tiny slice of what you know um, insomnia might be like mm. um i think it did a really effective job of doing that yeah nice uh, jennifer gant the director um absolutely in love with her after her first two films, and I, I hope you can get to see the Nightingale before it's out of cinemas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's on um it's on I think Amazon Prime. Wow, that's weird. Yeah. Um, I don't understand this world anymore. Yeah, don't do I. Although it might be nice to see in the cinema um, mm. if I've got the option. Um, that's it for you. That's it for me for movies that I've seen this week. So let's get on with the news then. Let's. Um, first up, HBO has ordered a pilot for a House Targaryen prequel series. Um, this is Game of Thrones, obviously. Um, in addition to the uh, the original Long Night series that they've already got in production, um, Deadline scooped this story, and it alludes to the Dance of the Dragons, aka the Targaryen civil war that drove the dragons to extinction. Um, any interest in a Game of Thrones prequel series about the Targaryen lineage? Um, y sort of. Hmm. Oh, so yes. Let's start at the beginning. Are you interested in the, them doing these prequel series in general? Sort of. Sort of. So I think that there is a lot of rich history in that world. And I think that if you go far back enough that you can kind of wipe the slate <laughs> clean yeah. and just do whatever you need to do yeah. with the story. So it's the same kind of concept that I think Star Wars is potentially embarking on now which they can go and find do a trilogy or another set of movies that is completely detached from the skywalker series mm -hmm. i think that that's a really good opportunity to leverage the world that's been built mm. but also create something new totally so i think that game of thrones has the same opportunity obviously there's been a lot of groundwork laying in terms of world building and there's a certain way that this story needs to go but i think that still gives quite a bit of wiggle room for the creators to go in and do something really interesting do you think the targaryens <coughs> are a wise um place for them to be starting like I, f I feel like if they have in any way poisoned the well of this franchise it's mostly through daenerys targaryen um like, do you think that that's a wise place for them to go? More dragons? Like, that seems to be one of the, the less well-received of all the bad, poorly-received things. Um, yeah, look, I think that most of the complaints around season 
And the final season was what? Season eight? Sure. Nine, seven, something? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever the final season was. Yeah. Um, a lot of the complaints were around that particular character and the arcs mm. and the writing of those particular events. Mm. Daenerys Targaryen was, um, you know, during the first four or five seasons, really well written. Mm. Um, so I don't think that there's anything wrong with going, you know... Just a, purely from a like, marketing point of view, though? Like, do you think it's look, a bit it's, risky? No. I, I don't actually. Yeah. I mean, the whole venture is risky. I don't think that this is really what's going to tip it over one way or the other. Well, yeah, in a broader sense, do you think they've poisoned the world too much just to even be doing these sequels or prequels at all? No. People, people love this shit. <laughs> yeah. People love a, a good prequel or a yeah, sequel. Solo. Or, um, <laughs> yeah, right. But no, no, but again, they're doing it the right way. Yeah, which is really know. separated from, from what yeah. we've, we've seen before. So I think that what would have been a mistake is to do... The, a sequel like the trident mm. is the trident the um i mean not the trident whatever the war was before you know with stark and ned and or ned is stark um whatever the king's name is basically i've just erased all the names from game of thrones <laughs> from my brain for all time series is over just um basically the events that just preceded the books and the and the um and the, sorry, the the TV show, yeah, the Mad, with, the Mad King and everything, yeah, with all the characters that you already know. I think yeah. that would have been a mistake because you're totally. you're leveraging too much, mm. right? Um, again, I think this is the right way to go. So, how about the, the 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 original, like the first Long Night? You think that's? Eh, look, to be honest, I don't so think that's, there's that's an... a kind of more White Walker White Walker focused. I think it is. Yeah. Um, <sighs> see, that's that's a tough one. That maybe even more so than the Targaryen one because, like you said about. Um, I don't even know if you said this. Maybe I was just talking to myself. Um, but about how following these these things that have as prequels that we know they're they're ending. They they have a fixed point where they end. Um, and most or a lot of people were not happy with how the White Walker story resolved. Yeah, like it feels fairly anticlimactic, and it would feel a lot more anticlimactic if there's like a six season TV show about even more lead up to that. Well, exactly right, and I think that. To be honest, that's not the way to go because the White Walkers, I just don't know if there's enough material there, really, around if you're thinking about the events of that. I mean, you can always create stuff around that. But I think that there's like there's a really rich history with the Targaryens and there's, you know, more scope for what happens there. Um, you know, it can maintain that kind of... Game of Thrones political thriller style, um, mm. whereas that's not really going to happen if you do a, a TV show about the First Men um, in the Long Winter. It's going to be really kind of more nature based. Like, It'd be great if it's just The Walking Dead. <laughs> they well, I mean, what they could do is they could do kind of more of a horror style mm. series with that. Mm. Um, but even then, it's it it's tough, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I I if if they're going to do a sequel. I don't mind them jumping into that territory with the Targaryens because I think that there's a lot to explore there. Mm. Um, so as a fan, say you were the guy calling the shots, is there a, something else entirely that you would have picked instead of these two things? I mean, I'm a fan of the TV show. I don't really know too much. Like, I've, I've not read the books. Mm. Um, you haven't read the books? No. Huh. I normally such read... a fantasy nerd. <laughs> I know. I normally read books and then watch the TV show or mm. watch the movie. I very rarely come to a fantasy series after 
Um, and I tried reading the books after watching the first, I think, two seasons. And I found it really difficult. Because mm. I was like reading scenes that I had wa- watched note for note. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I read the first first book as well and it was very similar in 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 the parts that were actually translated to screen exactly right redundant at the time yeah and i just i found that difficult because i was like i've already watched this and there's no way that you know seeing sword fights on the big screen is not like if it's you know taken note for note Mm. it's gonna be better on the screen Mm. um so no no i haven't (laughs) so no look i don't have have a particular desire for how that goes i think that game of thrones I wasn't as disappointed as a lot of people, mm. but um, I don't really need to see more. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. All right, next up, um, Deadline reports that Robert Downey Jr. will be reprising his role as Tony Stark in next year's Black Widow film. So this was ridiculously casually dropped. In, I know, In right? a story not about uh, Robert Downey Jr. whatsoever. They were just like, they just mentioned uh, Endgame is his swan song, and then in brackets it was just like, oh, and he's going to be in Black Widow as well. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, the timeline makes sense for this to happen. It would almost be, uh, depending on how many other characters from the MCU are going to be in this, yeah. it would almost be a, a more obvious if he, or more weirder, weirder if he wasn't in it. Because um, this movie is going to take place after Civil War and before Infinity War. That, that was, of, that's official now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it... This hasn't been retracted or anything, so it seems like this is just a fact. Yeah, and and like you said, it makes sense. Mm. Like for the story, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you know, having him there. Um, I don't know how I feel about that being his last on-screen. It won't you know, be though. Like if he's coming back for this, I think he'll he, be in. He's not you know, done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think this could be a nice way to kind of soft just bring him back. Like there's there's talk about him, you know, having a left behind a, like an AI, AI hologram version of himself, which whatever, just go do it. It's fine. <laughs> like if if they're not going to make Endgame the end of his character, then sure, just keep him around. Yeah, no, I I I think that it's fair game for sequels. I think let's not. There there's a bit of that that maybe be a step too far as far as I'm concerned. If they bring him back mm. post Endgame. Mm. Um, you know, I'm happy to see him in as many sequ- or uh, prequels um, as they want to do, but nah, I don't think that uh, we need to see a, a you know, a Tony Stark post Spider-Man, essentially. It's going to be interesting to see how they actually frame this Black Widow film, because it feels like the way they want us to treat it is that five years from now, um, if, you know, we've got all our MCU Blu-rays on the shelf, they want this one to actually slot in between those older movies, like where it fits chronologically. like As like a phase three Yeah, like they, they're kind of retroactively making a Black Widow film that they should have made when people wanted a Black Widow film. Well, I mean, if, if they made a Black Widow film when they wanted it, when people wanted it done, that would have been... Just before or after Avengers in 2012. <laughs> that would have been phase one... If you know, maybe beginning of phase two, hmm. which is exactly what you just said. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I mean, it's absolutely. I I I find myself not really that excited for the Black Widow film now, just mm. because I feel like it is so late, and it feels so irrelevant because it seems as though all the characters in this are now dead in the universe. Um, that's the thing. That's what's kind of making it interesting to me, though, and that's not a good 
sign. Like that's not, not what it should be. But the fact yeah. that it is so out of place and they're making it so late and it seems kind of pointless after everything that happened to her in Endgame. They are going to need to like... This movie really needs to justify its existence. Oh. And I hope they're doing that somehow. Seriously. And Tony Stark's inclusion is very interesting. Be um, interested to see if anyone else pops up in it as well. Mm. Anyway, in uh, further uh, cinematic universe house cleaning, um, Todd Phillips has said that Joaquin Phoenix's Joker will definitely not meet Robert Pattinson's Batman in future films. Um, was so, there ever any... De- like, was this a question that people were actually asking? Robert Pattinson gave an interview recently that um, people extrapolated, kind of left the door open for something like that. Um, and I think, you know, when you're talking about this confusing continuity stuff, I mean, this is this is a new era beyond the one we just got used to, which was everything's connected, which is now some things are connected and some things aren't. And some things aren't, yeah. Um, so I think people, you know, uh, want to speculate uh, like crazy. But uh, yeah, so this is the, the nail in there. The way that I look at this film is that it is in no way, shape or form connected to the DC universe. Hmm. Um, it's my like it's my big gripe with this film, and it it's not to say that this is a bad film. In fact, it's it's probably the exact opposite. Um, I think that this was probably a really good film that has, for me, sullied itself by not being connected to Batman versus Superman. No, by <laughs> by by kind of arbitrarily slapping the Joker on the top. Because, mm. like I said, this feels like a. I, I said this. I think two weeks ago or a week ago or something like that, which is that this film feels like a gangster film that had an IP just kind of slapped on to it as opposed to a film that was, you know, let's re-envision the Joker in a different way. Now that, that presents such an interesting dilemma, doesn't it? Because it's like, what is better? It's, let's say this film is as good as everyone's saying. Yeah. Which it's not going to be. But let's say it's, it is the game changer that people talk about. Is this game changer that is not really a comic book movie, but has the Joker thrown on it, um, but it's really good, is that better than a, just a god-awful movie that was built from the ground up to be a superhero movie like BVS or something? Um, Not necessarily. Like, I, I mean... It's like lose-lose. I think that... I think this would have been a good movie whether it had the Joker on it or not. Mm. And that's the difference. Do you think it would have been a good movie whether or not it was connected to a greater kind of DC cinematic thing? I don't necessarily think that this movie should be connected. Mm. Like, again, I don't think that this movie should be a Joker film because Mm. I don't think it's... I mean, I haven't seen it, right? So I can't really say with any certainty. There is more stuff from the Batman mythos in the film. We don't really know at present how that fits in. Um, yeah, maybe it does something worthwhile while with it. Maybe not. Yeah, but I, I, I have a suspicion that this film will only p- play lip service to anything that is actually integral in the DC, and that again, once all is said and done, you could take away all the IP, and it would still be effectively the same movie. Mm. And for me, that's disappointing. Mm. Right. So. <sighs> I don't, I don't really care whether it's connected or not. Yeah. In fact, I'd rather it just not be because it kind of proves my point. I, I, I still remember that, you know, giddy little feeling, though, when you first start watching those MCU movies all those years ago and you're like, oh, shit, anything could happen. It's all theoretically connected, even though mm-hmm. it took them a long time to really kind of interweave things too much. So I, I don't like 
Todd Phillips being so final about this, just being like, no. Because there's no way they could ever make it work. But I don't know, the idea of seeing like a really great Batman up against a really great Joker, that's always enticing. Yeah. And we have had that happen. But uh, yeah, oh well. I mean, I won't say no to it again. What? Oh, right. Anyway. Not ne- that I said no, yeah, you know. Now in actual exciting news, mm. Warner Animation Group <laughs> will develop and produce a film based on Funko uh, Pop Vinyl Figures. Now it is a gosh figurines. darn shame that um, that George isn't here this week because he loves those little Funko Pop bastards. Um, whereas I <laughs> think <laughs> as an avid uh, figurine collector, um, I think they are uh, just consumerous garbage. garbage yeah. Just yeah. slap an IP on it, like like the Joker. Just take a cheap figurine, slap a, a familiar face on it. They all look the same. It's marketing um, one hundred and one. It's it's it is kind of genius. Absolutely, yeah. Particularly for the prices that some of these things are being flogged at. That is yeah. pure supply and demand. Like it's actually ridiculous. Like if you get some of these, like the figures that that we have on the set here. If you're paying quite a bit of money for them, you can kind of understand why you're paying that money because mm. there's genuine craft that goes into creating these figurines. Mm. If you're looking at all these fucking Funko Pop vinyl things, you're like, this is a, just a, a quick mold. Like, there's no real, like, this is pure marketing. It's a template. Not to say that most toys aren't, but like, mm. there's different levels to it. Um, and a lot of these are being, you know, sold for, you know, some of these are being, or are, are over a hundred dollars each. And I, I, that blows my mind. Mm. And they're, they're worthless once they're sold. They're, there's no collectible value. Yeah, they're just any, anyway, they're, at they're, least not for now. They feel like, I don't know. It feels like something a relative would get you and be like, Hey, you like this thing, don't you? Yeah. It's like, you, you don't care. <laughs> what do you think about the prospect of a movie? Okay, so they're clearly just making another version of the Lego movie. Um, it seems like a bad time for this to be happening after the Lego movie 2 did not do well at all. Um, well, also it feels like what every toy company has tried to do, which is take their property. Like, this feels like Angry Birds and Emoji Movie. Hmm. It's exactly what it feels like. Yeah, it, but with the, the added bonus of like like the Lego movie, they're probably going to have a lot of IPs they're going to be able to slap onto it. Um, I mean, even so, I, I, no movie, or sorry, no company has done that better. I'm just like, quickly check myself. I don't think any movie has done that better than the Lego movie. Hmm. The Lego movie has been, fuck, I keep saying the Lego The Lego company, Lego, has been, you know, really really smart about way about the way that they have branched into different mediums Mm. they are in video games they are in movies the way that they um deal with existing ips um as well as their toys i think they are kind of like genius level when it comes to giving consumers this broad range of ways that you can interact with this thing Mm. um and it feels like a lot of these other companies are just trying to copy that, essentially. Now, that being said, this is Warner Brothers Animation, um, same as the the Lego movie, sort of. I mean, it's Warner Brothers. Yeah. Uh, so they specifically came out saying 
this is not a cheap marketing move. Um, <laughs> the, the, the people behind this have a great idea for a really good movie, um, which of course is marketing. Um, but uh, that's like but, if you fall for that, that's the that's like the. I mean, I don't even know how to describe that. Them just being all all it's the most genius move ever. They're just they're being like they're just saying this isn't this isn't bad. Don't worry. Well, and that's how bad it is, the fact that they address it pretty much in the announcement. Yeah. Um because it it clearly seems so cynical. But I mean, we're also skeptical of the Lego movie before that happens. So, like it, it's not that they can't make something good out of this. It's just that Fuck Funko Pop because I don't want this one to be good. <laughs> um, do you, you kind of, you know, if it does turn out to be good, it will feel a lot like um, a scene directly out of Lego Movie 2, funnily mm. enough, where the main character sing or one of the characters sings that I'm not, I'm not bad. Mm. <laughs> It'd be kind of like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. With any luck, that one will never actually come to pass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, Universal has released a Jurassic World short film um, called uh, Battle at Big Rock. Have you seen this, Connor? No. Little eight-minute short um, about a family camping um, and some dinosaurs show up and hijinks ensue. Um, it's wow. directed by Colin Trevorrow. It's clearly just keeping the, the IP fresh in people's mind. Um, is this like sanctioned by someone or is this con just kind of losing his mind? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What could have been? No one's letting him direct anymore after he's fired from, uh, from star Wars. Um, no, this is, this is proper universal. It's clearly bridging the narrative gap between, uh, fallen kingdom and the next film. Cause it, it, it involves kind of dinosaurs spreading out into the wilderness, um, of our world. Uh, the the credits for the short film have a bunch of little scenes of just people encountering dinosaurs in like you know kind of found footage way just around and about. Um, it's essentially what the last two movies called Jurassic World should have been, which is you know the Jurassic World. Um, it, it's it's good. I would say I actually liked it more than the past two films. Certainly, um, it's, it's not too hard though. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's not revolutionary, but. Um, I still have so, such major gripes with the end of that, the last Jurassic. <laughs> well, it, yes, that was a bit ridiculous because you watch the end of Jurassic World and you say, okay, there's like, what, 20 dinosaurs out there. The army's going to have them dead within an hour. But um, Colin Trevorrow, who I do not like very much as a filmmaker, did have kind of some good stuff to say about the next film, which he'll, he'll be back to direct, I believe, um, saying that this is not going to be like a war between humans and dinosaurs. This is going to be a world where um, they're spreading out into the wilderness like regular animals. He, he says he, he likes the idea of not, you know, dinosaurs attacking the suburbs, but the idea that you could be driving down a foggy road and encounter, you know, a, a big monstrous animal, um, which I'm like, that's, that's a much more sensible way to take this. Effectively which... what bears are. Exactly. No, he, he, he cites that. He says like bears or uh, alligators or sharks. Or sharks or yeah, or like, anything you know, like that. Yeah. We'd be going into their territory ill-advisedly. Um, which I, I think could be a lot of fun and definitely sounds more enticing than the, the last two films in the series to me. Um, is there any hope in your mind left for this franchise? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I just think that... No. Hmm. No. I think that the last movie had a chance to really um, do something cool with the franchise and it was utterly squandered. And I think that the concept of this... It's kind of dumb. 
So did you like the last film more or less than the previous one? I didn't even watch the previous one. You haven't seen Jurassic World? No. Don't bother. That's <laughs> Basically, that's why I haven't. Okay. Because no um, one has been like, you got to see that, or even come close to that. No one's been like, oh, check it out if you want. It's a cool little dinosaur film. Um, you know, people have pretty unanimously gone, oh, no, no, don't do that. Are you excited for the next film to find out which uh, of the original trilogy cast members they'll bring back for 30 seconds? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah. Um, no, look, I just, this Jurassic, the last film had such potential as far as I was concerned and opened with such a cool scene mm. that I just, I don't feel like giving this franchise another another um, shot. Fair enough. Well, unfortunately, it's still very financially viable, so it's not going anywhere just yet. Just yet. Maybe they'll make another good one. God, that first movie's great. <laughs> uh, and finally, speaking of squandered chances, M. Night Shyamalan has signed a deal with Universal to write and direct two new thrillers, one arriving in Feb of 2021 and another in Feb of 2023. So this man just keeps on getting chances and chances and chances. Um, his most recent, of course, was uh, early this year with Glass. So I think this is a guy that kind of deserves chances upon chances really, because when he's firing on all cylinders, where when he's really doing good work, it's just that. It's really good work. Mm. Um, you know, Split was fantastic. Mm. Split was really entertaining. Um, you know, if you go through his back catalog, he has some really good films in, in, it, in that. So I think that this is... And possibly as many hits as misses. Almost. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Could, and and look, be. there's some that that have hints of, I don't know if I'd say genius, but they have hints of really good, at least world building or, or you know, I mean, a lot of people really hated After Earth, which I didn't actually mind. It's his only film I haven't seen, because I was just about to say, I have not watched a movie of his that I haven't found something worthwhile in. Um, yeah. And I say that as someone who's seen Lady in the Water and The Happening and uh, The Last Airbender. Um what after was it? it what was it in the one I draw? The line yeah. What was it in Airbender that you thought was worth? I thought that was a really well constructed film uh, visually. I, I thought his his eye never ceases to impress me. Yeah. Um. And I, I yeah. I, I don't know. Little bits and pieces. I remember not hating it at all. Really. As a technical director, it, he's really good. Mm. Um. So, so yeah, it's not surprising that he get he he's got another chance. Effectively. Not at all. No. And I do think he's earned it by um mortgaging his house to. Um, self fund his last couple of films or whatever it was like that's yeah that's someone who who really wants to be out there creating and is is I think when he's like you said when he's firing on all cylinders it's pretty worthwhile. Um, how are you feeling about Glass right now? His last film, uh, utterly forgettable. Really? Yeah. Um, the, the movie retroactively kind of hurt Split and Unbreakable for me. Unfortunately, I never um, saw Unbreakable and Split. I I am more than happy to just have as its own thing i seem to be able to do that the split fares a lot better um in that regard because it it definitely uh right up until the end unbreakable so it is its own film exactly um right up until the last like 20 seconds Mm. so um yeah i glass for me wasn't i don't think it was as bad as you guys felt it was largely because um i just hadn't seen unbreakable there was no kind of spoiling of the you know original material Mm. um but it also it didn't really do anything that spectacular for me, and I I have I've I can't really remember where I was at with our review, but I definitely know that 
you know, I've just, I haven't soured. I've just kind of forgotten it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer. But um, I, I am always interested to see more from him. And I hope he does some yeah. stuff that is just fresh and new and unconnected to, to any of his previous work. <laughs> so good on him. What time is it, Connor? It is trailer time. My Lord, yes, it is. Yes, and on our first for the list of trailers, we have HBO's Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't know what this series is about. <laughs> yeah, um, it's about uh, who watches the Watchmen or something. I don't know. Um, I, I think this looks great. Uh, I also can't exactly place what it's doing, but it, it sure looks topical and <laughs> looks like that stuff to stay. It'll teach me something. Yeah. Um, it, I, the earlier trailers kind of made the police force in this look malevolent, whereas this most recent trailer seems to be saying that they're almost the protagonist. Mm. I got the sense of that. Um, or at least, you know, uh, I'm not sure. I can't really follow these trailers. So uh, there's a certain level of disinterest for mm. me because I, I can't help but watch this and think, I'd be getting this if I had read the comics. Yeah, which I highly recommend you do. Um, but uh, it, yeah, it certainly looks complex. Um, I also can't pick out exactly what the thrust of it is or who I'm meant to be following or rooting for, but uh, I'm, I'm really keen for it. I think it looks very well made. Yeah, no, I'll definitely be checking it out. Yeah. Um, that's HBO, so um, it's a, for the more or less a, a stamp of... Hmm. Um, quality mm. <clears throat> most of the time yes um next we have little monsters which is the gory zombie comedy thing yeah the pity neongo is a primary school teacher who gets stuck in a zombie outbreak with a with a class full of little children yeah i love the trailer mm. i'm terrified that the trailer is going to be the best part of the film so this was the red band trailer really hammered home the fact that this movie is not pulling any punches yeah. Um, despite being full of children. Um, yeah. There's yeah. still just that one laugh out loud moment with Josh Gad in it that I didn't expect to work as well the second time. No, it's, it's still good. just really funny. It's one of those lines that you kind of repeat to yourself mm. um, and it makes you chuckle. Problem is, you know, I said it right after we watched it, that's going to be the funniest line of the film. Yeah, quite possibly. It's been It's been a good long while since I've seen a zombie movie that I actually really liked. Uh, Ooh, a zombie film specifically. I honestly can't think of anything after uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead that I've been like, that was a really good zombie movie. Dawn of the Dead? Yeah. Oh, surely there's been something since then. I, there, what year was Dawn must, of the Dead? Because that, that was like 2003 or something. Like that When was, was, when was Shaun of the Dead? Yeah, Shaun of the Dead was more recent than that. Was it though? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it was. Like, all right, give me a I, second. I think it was right around that time. Um, Surely it had to be. There's got to have been something that's been decent. Um, Shaun of the Dead, 2004. Yes. <laughs> well, when was Dawn By of the a Dead? year. <laughs> oh, I, I assumed that you knew. Let's look up zombie movies. 2004. God damn it. <laughs> I watched Zombievers last year. That was all right. Oh, so did I. Oh, okay. Train to Busan, 2016. That was really good. Okay. Uh, it was uh, uh, Korean, Zombieland? 
was 2009. Yeah. We, we've film. discussed how we haven't gone back to Zombieland, so we don't actually know if it's good or not I, I did. Wait, when? What, recently? In the last six months, I think. Was it good? Yeah. Right. World War Z? Yeah. 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 28 yeah. Weeks Later? Uh, that movie I found pretty forgettable. Hmm. Except for one really cool scene. It is. Warm Bodies, that was Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. The zombies. Oh, that's fine. But so many of these things, like, that's kind of fine. Yeah. When was 28 Days Later? It was 2002, wasn't it? Ah, bugger, it was. Yeah, so... Yeah, they haven't really been firing off with any really good zombie films. That's disappointing. Quantity over quality. I, I, so I don't know if this will be the one to break the streak, but I like the trailer. So good luck to it. Hmm. Interesting. Um, all right, moving on. We have Ford v. Ferrari, which is called Le Mans 68 as well. Where? Um, I don't know. Um, but I saw a uh, trailer for it where it was called Le Mans 68, and I kind of um, I had to uh, I checked it out. And I was like, that have they just taken the same like? Mm. And it yeah, it was. It's so funny those regional differences. They seem so arbitrary a lot of the time where they change the title. It's like uh, Black Coat's daughter a couple of years was called February here, the most generic title ever. I, yeah, but like Avengers, one of the biggest movies ever. It's called Avengers Assemble in the UK because of the TV show from the 60s with um, the Avengers. Uh, uh, oh, no. There's a TV or not a TV show. There's a movie with... Um, That's based on the TV show, I believe. Is it really? Mm. With the same cast? Uh, I'm not sure if it's the same cast. God. I think it was like a remake. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that kind of blip in history movie was the reason they called the Avengers something else. Oh, my goodness. And also the reason that none of the sequels could be called Avengers Assemble, which would have been a good name. Mm. Oh yeah, Ford v Ferrari. <laughs> um, yeah. So Ford has uh, ninety days to make a car that can outrace a Ferrari. Yeah. No one thinks they can do it, but if history tells us anything, it's they probably did. I haven't looked it up. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Le Mans sixty six, not sixty eight. Mm. My apologies. Well, um, we would have gotten letters for that one. I know, right? From all the you know really diehard Le Mans fans. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested in this. Mm. Um, I've I've seen this story a couple of times. Yeah. Um, you know the the true story behind it is really fascinating. Just as like a kind of a feat of what shouldn't be possible, and what you know, kind of the the sheer tenacity of uh, of Shelby. Mm. Um, I yeah, I just I I find that that story really fascinating. I recommend to anyone that wants to go and. Um, you know, look into it. Definitely do it because it's um, it's really fascinating. So I, I, you know, these kinds of films always run the risk of being a bit dull. Mm. Like a lot of these stories are great to read in an article, but don't quite hold up in a two-hour film. Mm. Um, Christian Bale though has a great track record with um, true story films. I feel just between like uh, The Big Short. And yep. um, was it The Fighter, his boxing one? That was a different movie. Um, with uh, Mark Wahlberg, because that was great. Um, yeah. And, uh, his Dick Cheney movie. I think it's The Fighter, I yeah. See. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I don't know that him being in it is a stamp of approval for me. Mm. But the because I really like the story, and I think that there is enough source material there and enough kind of... I don't know. Drama. 
drama, mm-hmm. I suppose, or just like I think they're both really interesting characters as well, and they've got two really good actors to play those characters. So that's kind of what gives me a lot of hope. That's enough, yeah. Um, how do you feel about James Mangold, by the way? Uh, I love his Wolverine movies. Yeah, both of them. <laughs> Um, did he direct The Grey, the Liam Neeson Fights Wolves? Ooh, let me check that film. I don't think so. Am I thinking of the other guy? It's these two directors I get confused all the time. What have I got here? He's got, uh, Walk the Line, another kind of sort of biopic, which no, I actually quite Never like. watched it. Um, I watched that years and years and years ago. Oh. I did, I did enjoy it. Uh, 310 to Yuma. Never watched it. Weird I've heard film. great things. Um, Russell Crowe. Otherwise good. Yeah. Um, I also really like westerns. Yeah. Um, Girl Interrupted, Night and Day, surprisingly Night and good. Day, I was going to bring up. I didn't like that movie very didn't much. Didn't like at it the at time. all. No. Yeah, look, nothing that's really um, probably worth mentioning beyond that. Um, I'm just going to shout out The Grey again because I really like that movie. <laughs> Did you really? I love that movie. I love the soundtrack. People slept on it. Um, people kind of just ignored it because it looked stupid, and it so wasn't. It was really kind oh. of deep and meditative. I, I, I really quite enjoyed that film. Mm. As just a, Actually, that's probably the best way to... You have a, you have a way with words, Ben. Thank you. Meditative mm. is probably the best way to describe it. Mm. Um, it's also the best way to describe the soundtrack as well. It's kind of one of those films that... Um, despite the subject matter, it kind of brings me a certain level of peace. Mm. Um, there's another movie, um, not nearly as good, but I get the same kind of feeling from it, which is Centurion, which is oh, a... Yeah, yeah film with Michael Fassbender I don't know who did it Neil um, uh, what's he directed The Descent oh did he yeah and a okay. bunch of Game of Thrones um, but for some reason that Neil movie Neil Marshall oh Neil Marshall okay yeah yeah um, that movie the, Neil Marshall did that mm. no way um, that movie <laughs> for some reason again despite the subject matter just it like I really I really enjoy it mm. like I really get a kick out of it so, um, alrighty. Anyways, um, next we have uh, Midway, which speaking, is speaking of meditative, <laughs> yeah, based on the true events. Yeah, um, the Battle of Midway. So Roland Emmerich um, <sighs> remaking Pearl Harbor. Yeah, um, with a lot of Independence Day in there. It looks like a lot. Um, this looks like a CGI fest oh, yeah. dialed to eleven. Yeah. Um, the. I don't, I don't know. I just... I feel like it's trying to get away with... You know, it, it's a bit too full-on for me. Mm. It's kind of one of those movies that's like, you know, a dash, and by a dash, I mean like a bucket load of patriotism, a bucket load of CGI war stuff, and let's like a bucket load of, you know, B-grade celebrities... It feels like we moved past this kind of war movie a while ago. Like, I feel like there's this more... This feels like Pearl Harbor. Exactly, yeah. And I feel like, <laughs> you know, in a post, I don't know, Saving Private Ryan world or something, like, there's just a little more nuance to this stuff. Yeah. You know? Like, this, yeah, looks very, uh, very hoorah. Save the yeah. Day. And Nick Jonas has that terrible little moustache that... <laughs> that I mean, work for me. for me... War films that I like are films that don't necessarily focus on war. Mm. Like, there was a, 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 
I'm, I'm talking like it's like a little indie film. There was a film that came out a couple of years ago called Fury with mm. Brad Pitt. <laughs> um, that I, I thought was absolutely fascinating because it focused in on basically the relationship in, in, in this one little tank. Mm. Um, and yes, it's set in war and it's got lots of war scenes in it. What really mattered. Mm. Um, and, uh, but in this, it feels as though the kind of hoorah is what matters. Totally, yeah. It's very Roland Emmerich, stock standard. You're there for the spectacle and the events, not, yeah. not all these little almost humans running around throwing dialogue at each other. Exa- well, exactly, right? Mm. And, and for me, that just kind of... Uh, it doesn't really do it for me. Roland Emmerich, I don't hate as a filmmaker, but he cannot pull me into a cinema without like some kind of sci-fi hook or like some disaster thing or something. It's a war movie. I'm going to go to someone much more interesting as a filmmaker than him. Yeah. He's also responsible for one of my most hated films mm. of, um, when was it? it? came out like 10 years ago, I think. Whatever it was, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie angered me on so many levels, mm. largely because it relied on the same mechanism or the same gimmick something like three or four times throughout the film mm. and I've never had a movie treat me like more of an idiot what about his, his earlier film The Day After Tomorrow where Jake Gyllenhaal's running down a hallway he's like running from cold air or something it's the exact same gimmick <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> and they just get away just in time it's, it's like that's the only thing that oh my god I never even thought about that mm. but you don't want to watch the movie about the guy who gets away you know two hours earlier right that would be interesting. No, but I'm <laughs> fine with one of those scenes yeah. per movie. Mm. You don't get to put four of them mm. and just continue the suspense and action by doing the exact same thing yeah. over and over and over again. Now I want to see the movie where the action hero like jumps away from an explosion like 18 times and the movie <laughs> just misses him every time. Um, he did The Patriot as well. Oh, look at that. Anyways. Mm. Um... Next we have Queen and Slim. Um, this is a really interesting film. Black Bonnie and Clyde, as they put it in the trailer. Black um, Bonnie and Clyde, yeah. Starring Daniel Kaluuya, a, a couple on a first date get um, pulled over by a cop. Things go very south. The cop gets shot dead, and they are on the run. Um, this looks awesome. It, I mean, it does, doesn't it? I, like in every aspect, just visually, this looks like such an interesting movie. It took such a different route because I knew nothing about this film before we mm. watched the trailer, and it went from it. It felt like three different movies. It went from kind of like almost indie romance to you know action film to kind of um, something a lot bigger. Yeah, mm. yeah. The scope really opens up towards the end. Mm. Um, yeah, really interesting premise. Um, it's going to be, the, you know, it's going to be controversial, I think. Definitely, yeah. I mean, this movie looks like it has a lot to say, and it looks like it's saying it very loudly. Um, and I, I don't really want to talk about it too much before I've seen it, because I'm, I'm keen for it. Yeah, I mean, just from a, from a visual standpoint, and, a, and just like a, what looks like a cool action film. Mm. Or like just not even an action film, but like just cool-looking feeling film mm. um, I'm very much done with it um, next we have C S-E-E mm. which is the Jason Momoa um, 
Apple TV Plus. Great name. Um, TV series mm. that um, that they'll be releasing November twentieth, I think. Um, um, it's actually really soon where, where that they're um, releasing this content. This is, we haven't seen many trailers for their stuff yet, have we? I think there's, so a, there's a couple there's a that Jen were released. Anderson thing yeah. recently. Yeah. So I, do, I we probably should have put that in this as well, but we haven't. Um, which actually looked really good. Huh? Um, which details like a morning breakfast show that's kind of devolving and and kind of jumping into chaos. It it made me feel uh, like I was watching. That sounds like Anchorman. With a serious tone. Damn it. <laughs> but also has Steve Carell in it. Okay. Um, the C is really cool concept though. Mm. So it's this world where I think it's like two hundred years in the future. Um, everyone in the world is blind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like Children of Men, which is like the, you know, they have two kids that can see. It's the gimmick. That's the that's the hook. Mm. Um, but just from a visual standpoint, this movie looks incredibly um, polished. Polished, and it's no surprise that the people that did um, Planet of the Apes are involved. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it it is very reminiscent of. Um say the second film onwards in that new yeah. trilogy um, it's uh, I've heard 15 million dollars an episode which is no no small oh. tally um, for me this looked kind of uh, ridiculous and uh, done before like it you feels mentioned like Children of Men which Bird was, Box. I had not thought of yeah. and you shouldn't have mentioned yeah, <laughs> so I'm like damn that's a good movie um, and I yeah I this, I don't know, this looks a little silly to me. Um, Look, this didn't really feel like a well-cut trailer to me, mm. but the concept I quite like mm. because it feels like Quiet Place, Bird Box, um, all those other things where there's like that kind of gimmick where they can't see or they can't hear or mm. they can't talk or something like that. It feels like that, but in a setting that doesn't normally get shown which is this kind of post-apocalyptic, there's tons of post-apocalyptic settings, mm. but with that particular gimmick, mm. um, you know, I, I quite like it. I like the idea that, that you know, here's a society I, that has to function without sight. How did they, um, I, I want to know how they figured out the babies can see. Did we mention that? There's two babies born and they can see and that's like the... Yeah, well, he kind of does the throwaway line of there's something different. Mm. Um, I'm assuming that they'll think of something relatively clever. I feel like it has to be pretty clever. (laughs) Anyway. Um, I'm definitely not going to get Apple TV Plus, so I'll I'll have to... Absolutely not. I have a feeling that I will. Yeah? Um, Even though I'm so avidly against... um, (laughs) All the streaming services all these different kind of producers of streaming services mm. the the difference being that I'm so heavily invested in Apple and that's how they get you is it um, is it bundled with anything do you get Apple Music or like well actually sorry I should Apple clarify anything? if if there is a bundle I will get it mm. um, I don't know if I'll get it otherwise because I have Apple Music and I, I rent the occasional movie but uh... yeah I, I purchase a lot of things on Apple TV um, sometimes rent things it's just Apple their original music. content then sorry Apple it will be but it's I can't remember what they said it was going to be like 
four bucks a month. Mm, I saw that. I think that would be the American price, which is is yeah, cheaper than it. Pretty much any Amazon Prime, I think is is, is about the same. Yeah, um, which is fine. Yeah, look, and and if they can bundle it in with other services, then I'll probably jump on it as well. Um, they're all about the whole ecosystem thing. So can't wait for that Disney Plus baby. <laughs> yeah. As much as I hate the concept. I keep saying that's shortened to D plus around the place and I'm like, that does not sound good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Diz plus. Um, lastly, we have trailer time. No, wait, that's not right at all. <laughs> I just had like, a stroke apparently. Um, living with yourself. Oh my God. Oh my God, I was so scared and confused. I was like, I must have missed the trailer for trailer time during trailer time. People are looking at like, you know, where they are in the video being like, did I skip back? <laughs> no, uh, Living With Yourself, which is honestly one of the most interesting Netflix trailers I have seen in a very long time. Yeah. Um, this is uh, Ruddy Boy um, doing something that looks as though it's a mix between comedy and drama thriller yeah yeah um the trailer covers a lot of tonal ground um paul rudd goes to some facility where they say they can make you happy improve your life he wakes up everything's great he feels much better um then in the middle of the night one night paul rudd another paul rudd shows up very confused um seems like this place cloned him and tried to kill the other one and now he's got to live with two paul rudds i love the concept Mm, that just one of these paul rudds is worse in almost every way. Mm. I, I thought you meant the concept of there being two Paul Rudds in the world. That's great. Oh, that, I love that, that one. <laughs> <laughs> also fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Um, no, I just, I, I think it's really inventive. I think it's really cool. I love Paul Rudd. Mm. Um, so uh, this kind of gets all the ticks that it needs. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not nearly as harsh on Netflix content as you are. Mm. I think that they, they certainly flood the market with a lot of content and not all of it is really good but I think that when they do good work it's really good like you know we one of some of our favorite films of uh, of the last couple of years have been Netflix films and, and TV series I don't, I don't know about that Haunting of Hill House Annihilation um, not a Netflix film right they just um, got distribution <laughs> <laughs> mute um, I love Apostle and yes I love uh, Haunting of Hill House I will definitely give you those two yeah thank you it was a a close one (laughs) Um, onwards that's that's all the trailers did you have anything else to say about that one no that's cool I might actually check that one out which I do not do for a lot of uh, TV series especially Netflix ones yeah Um, alright so we have question of the week this one comes from one of our YouTube videos Mike Wells I used to know know Mike Wells crazy back when I lived in Canada Hmm. crazy world Mike Mm. if that's you Get off that channel. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> Any friend of Connor's is an enemy of mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> he says, my question is, what films do you think would actually benefit from a prequel and why? Oof. Jeez, I hope you've got something in mind. <laughs> I'm going to have to sit on that for a sec. Um, what movie do I think would benefit from a prequel or would I like to see a prequel for? Um, could potentially be two separate things. Mm. Um, one movie that I would like to see a prequel for, oddly enough, is Star Wars, because <laughs> it worked out so well last time. Mm. No, I think that, um, that when I say a prequel, I mean like a like just rip it back thousands of years. Mm. I think it would be really cool to see um, 
you know, some of the content that takes place really in the early days of that, of that, um, overall world. Mm. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I think that that, that's also a good way to save that franchise in general. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of another, do you have any other ideas in terms of films that would be... No, I can't think of, because the, the movies that I really love, you know, the ones that have really rich, amazing worlds, generally, something I love about that movie is the fact that they're able to establish that world within the time they have in that film. Yeah. Um, and may leave you wanting so much more. I can't think of any... Like, maybe my answer would have to be a movie I don't like, but I think has an interesting world. Well, that would probably be where you'd want to go with this. Mm. But I'll give you an example of... A, a situation in which it's worked mm. which is um, Dark Crystal mm. I think that that movie has massively benefited um, from a prequel because the prequel kind of took what is an awesome world but an otherwise kind of lackluster story mm. and expanded upon that and and really done something very interesting with it mm. um, and I know you've only just watched the first episode mm-hmm. but um, overall the series I, I just I was really impressed with that yeah, I mean, um, that is, as far as prequels go, I've seldom heard of any been that well received, so good on them for actually being able to take something that is kind of a dirty word within the industry and make people okay with it. Um, I have thought of an answer. Um, it's the the series that, uh, the films that I revisited this year and was very interested in, um, which is The Matrix, which has a prequel of sorts in the Animatrix already which is mm-hmm. a bunch of short films um, kind of taking place before during and after or not after um, the films um, and I, I think that world is a perfect example of what I was saying is so interesting and just alludes to so many little things in, in the films that just barely touch the tip of the iceberg with the, the kind of existing material that I know the Wachowskis kind of developed yeah. um, to just be set dressing um, and I would happily watch a movie set in like the, the Robot Wars or something I think that's all so interesting yeah I can see that because mm. um, there's there's the first two short films in the Animatrix are basically just a a recap of how it all went down between yeah. like the invention of AI and the robots using humans as batteries and it just has to fly through all of it, but it's it's all so interesting. Yeah, no, I think that'd be really cool. Mm. Um, but I agree with you. It would have to be a movie that, good or bad, has created a world in which you you could explore more. Mm. It's got to stand on its own two feet to some degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I mean it, it sounds like a bit of a cop out, but Star Wars is probably just because when I think about prequels. Um, or that I want to see. I, I want to see um, Knights of the Old Republic, effectively. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to see something that is detached from everything that's happening in that Skywalker verse, mm. time period, lineage, whatever that is. I want them to leave that alone because the overall um, universe of Star Wars is fascinating. Yeah, and Star Wars is um, so unique in that you could travel, you know, a million years in any direction. And it oh. would still be something so different than the real world. Yeah, um, exactly. That you could tell an interesting story in it. Yeah. I love, I, you know, we mentioned this last time on the podcast. I'm a huge fan of world building. It's mm. one of the reasons that I really love the Halo games. Mm. Um, not necessarily for the gameplay. It's relatively the same throughout the entire series. Mm. It's really about the fact that this world is so fucking fascinating. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. Right. Cool. Cool. That just about does it. Um, I can't remember how George normally signs off. Um, well, that's been the show, everybody. <laughs> like us on like us on Twitter and message us on MySpace. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> See you then. <laughs> it was so abrupt. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, George won't be here yet, um, but we will be reviewing uh, Ad Astra soon, yep. um, which looks great. So tune in for that, and uh, we'll see you next time. Cool. See you guys.